hit me. From Studio P in Sausalito, the home of the hit, it's time for... Sucker Time. The number one comedy podcast about comedy. Podcast. And here's your host, internationally recognized comedy podcast podcaster, Mark Hershaw. Yes, this is Mark Hershon, and you're listening to Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast. Now, I know that's repetitive, me saying the name of the podcast right after you've heard the opening with our announcer, Bill Haywatt, telling you the name of the show. But I've been listening, this week in particular, to so many podcasts that don't ever remind you what you're listening to, that it started to seem kind of odd to me. Now, I know this isn't terrestrial radio, and your listeners know that they've downloaded or they're streaming your show. But people have terrible memories. So some of you comedy podcasters might think about reminding people the name of the show they're listening to, at least time to time, and also maybe who is doing the talking. Otherwise, it's going to be a whole lot of, hey, I heard this great podcast the other day. It had this guy who did this thing, you know, it's called something. I I think it starts with an R. Which is why you'll hear us playing those great Succotash program IDs that our friends, comics, and fellow podcasters record for us from time to time. Plus, because we play clips from so many different shows, I hate for people to forget where they're hearing them. So, if you're going to go up to iTunes anyway, why don't you take a few extra seconds and call up Succotash, that's S-U-C-C-O-T-A-S-H, and throw us five stars, and maybe a short review. Or if you get your Succotash hit from Stitcher, give us a thumbs up. You might even hop along to our Succotash show page on Facebook and like us there. That's all. Just like us. Do I sound desperate? I don't mean to, but these ratings things, which cost you nothing except a tiny bit of time, and sure, some of your pride and respect, perhaps, mean the world to us because it helps us to pass the succotash. Speaking of succotash, we've got a lot of clips this episode, although we do also have some chat with Jabs over there in Australia, as we get to episode two of his pod miniseries, Boganwood. Uh, I I think Boganwood's where my actual uh, creative outlet actually happens, which is good. Uh, And by creative, I mean stealing real-life stories and manipulating them into a story that flows. There's just a smidgen of Jabs, and uh, he'll be back in the back half of the show when we get to uh, Boganwood. We've also got some new blood this show, including Quebec-based comedian Mike Ward and a guy who's just started getting back into podcasting after being away for 18 months following a DUI jail sentence. A lot more clips, a new Henderson's Pants ad, and our Burst O'Durst with political comedian Will Durst is all in store for you on this episode of Succotash. Glad to hear that our friend Phil Lerness is back in action over at Chill Pack Hollywood Hour with his co-host, TV's Dean Haglin, after being out sick last week. Although Phil's feeling better, the boys are still having a little hitch in the giddy-up when it comes to one of their distribution points. One thing that hasn't changed is I still don't think uh, the listeners of Jackalope Radio are hearing anything since November. Wow. Okay. Right? From us? Yeah. Well, I haven't been able to upload because every time I go into the FTP yeah. site, it's... But uh, hopefully yeah, so uh, we're being heard on Talk Superstation. Talk Superstation here. And, of course, highlights are being played on uh, Mark Hirsch on Succotash. Succotash! So don't forget to listen to your Chill Pack Hollywood Hour on iTunes, Stitcher, the Talk Superstation, sometimes Jackalope Radio, maybe, and from the home site at chillpackhollywood.com. The ten most active shows in the Stitcher Top 100 Comedy Podcast list! 
All right, let's see what wonders await us over in the 10 most active on the Stitcher Top 100 Comedy Podcasts this week. At 39, Onion Radio News has gone up 38 places. At 63, The Naughty Show is down 12. At 69, The Champs with Neil Brennan and Moshe Kasher down 25 places. At 76, Where's My 40 Acres has jumped up 38 points. At 78, Smodcast Get Up On This up 30 places. At 86, Voss and Bonnie's My Wife Hates Me is up 19 places. And uh, we're going to actually slice a bit of that out and uh, play a bit in just a moment. At 90, the Ricky Gervais podcast up 33 points, which means Ricky must be back doing something on his podcast because usually it just kind of lies fallow. But uh, he is one of the originators of this podcast medium, been around longer than almost anybody really, other than some guys that have had radio shows that have ported into the podcast medium. So Ricky Gervais up 33 points. At 95, Who's Paying Attention is up 56 points. At 97, Dining with Doug and Karen down 30. And uh, finally, at 99, Smodcast Feeb, F-E-A-B, is down 29 points. Oh, and for those of you keeping track, Succotash this week rang in at 5,036, which is up about 1,000 places since about a month ago. So we are moving up. Uh, whether we ever see the inside of the vaunted top 100, uh, who knows? But uh, there are an awful lot of podcasts and more, it seems, every day. The 10 most active shows in the Stitcher Top 100 Comedy Podcast List. Moving up into the Stitcher Top 100 Comedy Podcast this week, at number 86, Voss and Bonnie's My Wife Hates Me features a pair of married comedians, Rich Voss and Bonnie McFarlane. They called it the podcast they swore they would never do, and yet... Here it is. They talk about themselves, their lives, their child, the comedy business, and no matter what angle they take, they seem to mostly be at odds with each other. Yesterday, uh, I want to thank Bonnie for a beautiful uh, birthday. We had uh, a... Let's uh, go over how your birthday was. First thing in the morning, you woke up. Happy birthday. Everyone was, I made you coffee right away. Happy birthday. Whoa, you're saying like... Right away, like there's a bunch no, of No, what do you want to do? You know, we were on your Took schedule immediately. We got you a couple presents right away while you're still still in bed. Raina wanted you to open her presents. We made a card for you that was um, nice. while right. you were gone. And so it was sitting there. You came home very late the night before. And- yep. The card was very lovely. I thank you for the card. Okay. And so. the presents were nice. Tennis balls, which we used. Those was from Raina. I liked them. I liked them. And then Bonnie got me a. Stop! Uh, don't say what it is. No, it's what don't I need. Don't say what it is because it's not a very. What? I don't know. It's not like a lovely, but you're hard to buy for. No, I mean no. It, it was a great present. It's something I needed. I was going to get you a dinner, but then we never I ever get needed to go to a dinner. lawnmower. <laughs> okay, it's worse than a lawnmower. Okay, but you could have got me a power one, not a push one. No, it was uh, one of those. Is uh, that a joke? Was that your joke? Or she, the old wife, got me a push lawnmower. <laughs> now my stomach is that is a joke? Was that supposed to be funny? Yeah, it's just a little. Get it? You know, she got me a lawnmower, not a power. I got him a chair that you take to sporting events, I guess. Or to the beach, or the so pool, so that he could watch Raina do her tennis classes. But I had one because of those. you complain so loudly. 
every time we go somewhere where there's no chair, I mean, you're like... Get ticks. You oh, my the God, the ticks thing. My friend Jacqueline's dad got Lyme disease. Yeah, see, ticks are, you know, that's why they call them ticks. They're fucking trouble, and they're small, and you got to be careful. You don't feel them. I, I check all, t- all the time when I'm playing When I'm playing Can golf. Can you die from that? Yes. Lyme disease, yeah, if it gets really bad, I mean, you know. Un- un- untreated? You could die from an infection on your finger, from an ingrown hangnail that turns into no. an infection. Stop it. Quit being it. God. Could be a what? A dummy. Why? Now, What's a d- what do you mean? For what? Oh, you Could, know what Bonnie said the other day? Uh, Why do you... I, I, gonna, I, 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 I call it Hoboken. No. I don't say Hoboken. Wait, wait, wait that's not... That's the, how that's not, poor people say it. Rich people say Hoboken. Hoboken? <laughs> she goes, yeah, you're doing... She goes, Hoboken. And then the other day... Your daughter went to Hoboken. I was going to get gas, and she goes, oh, why don't you pull into uh, Sunoco? Sunoco. I never heard it Who before. doesn't know it's called Sunoco? I She's, never heard it pronounced before. She said, why don't you pull into Sunoco? Okay, poor people pronounce it. Sunoco? That's how rich people pronounce You're it. You're so, I can't believe, you lived in this country for so, how do you <laughs> not know Sunoco? Educated people say Sunoco. Okay. No. Now. I never heard it before. I didn't even know that was like a real gas station. Like, I thought it was like Laura's. We have a gas station here called Loris. Is that n- around the country? No. No, but Sunoco is. Well, I mean, Sunoco is. I didn't know that. I thought it was like, you know, home-owned. With more than 80 eppies in, you'll want to catch a full dose of My Wife Hates Me over at riotcast.com. They're also on richvoss.com. That's R-I-C-H-V-O-S.com, iTunes, and Stitcher Smart Radio. This is Matt Weinhold, and you're listening to Suckatash. The Comedy Podcast Podcast. Suck it. You know, playing that clip from My Wife Hates Me reminded me of an old radio show I used to listen to from the 40s. Not not that I'm that old, by the way. I, I'm old, but not that old. But when I was in junior high school, Gene Nelson on KSFO Radio in San Francisco, this was back in the early 70s, used to play old radio shows at night. And one of the shows I remembered hearing was called The Bickersons, starring Donna Michi and Francis Langford. So that was, what, 65, 70 years ago? Listen to this and tell me, aside from the studio audience, if podcasting today isn't, in many ways, the radio people used to listen to back then. You never talked to me, John. Actually, you haven't said anything since you proposed to me. I think I said too much then. (laughs) You're not the only one who regrets it, you know. I don't regret it. I'm just sleepy. I don't need a building to fall on my head. I can tell by your attitude. You're not even pleasant when you're not sleepy. Are you? Yes, I am. Generally speaking. You certainly are. <laughs> I am what? Generally speaking. You see, you're the one who always starts everything. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Sure, it's easy to say you're sorry now. No, it isn't. <laughs> From the first day I met you, I've done nothing but suffer. You've always been a conceited, selfish, inconsiderate, lazy brute. Then why did you marry me? I didn't know it then. You did, too. Everybody knew it. <laughs> cry when I think of the way you treated me. First time I cooked a stew for you, the cat ate it up before you got home. I was broken hearted, but did you offer me any sympathy? I got you a new cat, didn't I? <laughs> the cat didn't die until a month later, and it wasn't from my cooking. You kept putting bourbon in her milk. Bourbon never hurt anybody. It killed the cat. That's because she mixed it with milk. <laughs> 
begged her to drink it straight. I want to sleep. It amazes me that you can sleep at all with your guilty conscience. What have I done now? How could you, John? How could I what? How could you forget that it's my birthday next week? Oh, Blanche, this is really getting silly. You'd better see a psychiatrist. That kind of talk won't help you, John. You're just trying to make me forget you forgot to remember not to forget my birthday. There must be a simpler way of saying that. You might at least have bought me a present. I did buy a present. It'll be delivered on your birthday. I'm having your name engraved on it. What is it? It's a genuine imitation alligator traveling bag. <laughs> traveling bag. Last year you got me a cosmetic set. And the year before that you got me a set of encyclopedias. It isn't hard to see what you're thinking. What am I thinking? I'm stupid, I'm ugly, and you want to get rid of me. <laughs> I've never heard of such a thing in all my life. Now, it's true, isn't it? I'm stupid, I'm ugly, and you want to get rid of me. I do not want to get rid of you. But I'm stupid and ugly. I didn't say that. But you think it of me. I never think of you at all. Don't yell at me. <laughs> You're giving me that dreadful pain again. What pain? Oh, nothing. Are you sick again? What pain? What are you talking about? It's my head. I've had it off and on for the last three weeks. <laughs> Take it off now and go to sleep. So that was the Bickersons. Again, Don Amici and Francis Langford. Uh, they not only had a radio show from about 1946 to 1951, but I think they put out two or three comedy albums as well. Um, all of their radio shows, by the way, if you just Google them, are available for free from uh, some uh, radio archive. Um, you can download them, listen to them if that is to your liking. I got a clip from the Paul Mercurio show. Now, we recently featured a clip of uh, of Paul interviewing Jay Leno, a great in-depth chat, by the way. And now he's done it again, grabbing a podcast rarity by talking with Sir Paul McCartney. Here, Paul asks Paul about where the Beatles got the confidence to go from the music that had gotten them to the top and put out something as daring at the time as Sgt. Pepper. And you're on a world stage, and the entire world is following you and in love with you. And to have the guts to go, you know what? I know, I know you like, uh, you know, Hard Day's Night, but we're going Sergeant Pepper. Come with us or don't come with us. Where does that? Obviously, brilliant musicians and songwriters, but fundamentally, as a person in being Paul McCartney, where does that confidence come from? Well, you know, I say I would say that the Beatles um, was a unit. And yeah. we were a unit that we'd worked together a lot. We mm. lived in and out of each other's pockets. I mean, once when it was really cold and the window blew out on the van, we, we actually, like, lay on top of each other in a beetle sandwich. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, by, by that point, at this point, you're getting, you're getting pretty intimate. You're, you're yeah. getting knowing each other. So, yeah. um, so I think we gave each other the confidence. And as each little new canvas was painted, mm-hmm. we go, oh, man, that's cool. Okay, now let's do something different, different, mm-hmm. different, different, different. So it was a natural evolution. And by the time we got fed up of touring because we couldn't really hear ourselves, it was all that was getting a bit boring, you know, by right. that point. Because we'd really, we'd worked uh, very hard. You know, we'd, we'd worked sort of over 300 days out of a year, you know, we would work. Right. Uh, so so just the toll of the sheer physical working um, led us to have this idea. We thought, well, let's just let's just make a record. Let's just can't stop touring, go into the studio, 
and we'll make a record and we'll say, well, let the, let the record go on tour. Paul Mercurio has an amazing rack of interviews in his past episodes, so check him out at sideshownetwork.tv, iTunes, and Stitcher Smart Radio. You know, I called Paul Mercurio having McCartney on his show a rarity rather than an exclusive because it's not the first podcast that Sir Paul has been on. Way back on Succotash Epi 3, my guest co-host was Dana Carvey, and we had Paul McCartney call into our show, even though we don't have a live call-in line. The switchboard's lighting up. This is the first time we've taken calls. First time we've had a guest. First time we've taken calls. Uh, let's just go. We don't have a screener, so let's just go to the phones. Uh, hello. Uh, thanks for calling Succotash. Hello. Hello. Is this Mark Hirschhorn? Uh, yes, it is. Who's uh, who's calling, please? Oh, this is Paul McCartney. Oh, no last names, please. No last names. Um, this is Paul. Oh, Paul. Hey. Wow. Uh, wow. That's fantastic. Uh, th- thanks for calling. Um, uh, I assume you've heard the show. Yeah, you know, I've always been a fan of Suckers Hash Podcast, you know. He's got all the funny willies, you know, and the Henderson pants, which I'm wearing right now. <laughs> That's fantastic. Which, yeah, oh, very, very, you know, they're fitting very comfortably from me bunghole <laughs> to me forwardy. Parts. Well, that's great. I'm glad to have you on the line. Were you were you in England during the uh, the royal wedding? I have to assume. Yes, I was. I was there. It was a great, you know, occasion. You know, the queen was all yellow, the prince was all red, and the the middleton was all white. I'm talking about Pippa. She stole the show, the little whore. <laughs> you know, you never have your whorish sister. You know. Holding up your dress from behind with a low cutter. You know, it's it, he's leaning forward. You want all the eyes on you with your princey prince in his already ruddies. But she's back there with it, it is forward. It's a big steely wheelie. <laughs> now, now, you must have, uh, it must have kind of given you a little bit of a sort of portent of things to come because I understand you've recently gotten engaged yourself. Yeah, I got a little hooky wooky, you know. I found a nice little lady, you know. Nancy, you know, she's a nice little gal. And she likes, you know, to yank on me willy when we asked her. I wish I hadn't said that. <laughs> me internal voice got out. Well, Happened that... to John once in Tokyo. <laughs> that, can, that can happen. Um, uh, let me ask this. I mean, it's probably a sensitive area, but uh, Nancy, you um, prenup? Just, just a suggestion or a question? Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, I gave her own account, you know, and we had locked it in a lockbox, as Al Gore would say. So, sure, and sure, if there's a problem with the marriage, she'll get $1,900 cash <laughs> right away, paid straight away into her account, you know, 1900 It took a while to negotiate. She started at $50 million. I started at $5 and a stick of gum. After six months, we got it at $19 in a full pack. <laughs> we'll be happily married. It sounds like it'll be very happy indeed. <laughs> um, what uh, what else have you been up to? Is there any uh, any new music uh, coming our way from, from Paul McCartney? Yeah, so, you know, I'm doing sort of a bookend song. You know, the album, you know, uh, Why Do We Need Silly Love Songs, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so it's a song about, you know, why do we need a mastivosity, you know. And so I'm just going blue because I can. I don't know why. I apologize. Anyway, I did hum a song the other day. Do 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 do. You know, it's called being empty. You know, there's nobody there. I'd rather pull back to the sixties. You know, I mean, what do you fucking people want? 
I've got a hundred fucking classics. And they go, where's your new stuff? Well, how about Eleanor Rigby, you fucking whore? You know, how about Sgt. Pepper? But what's your new stuff? Well, where's your new stuff, you bitch? You know, what do they want from me? I created the greatest music ever written. And they say, what's your new song? Well, here's your new song right here. And for those of you who are not watching, I'm grabbing me Willy Wonka on the podcast. And I'm squeezing quite hardly. You know, it's now become a personal vendetta. So I squeeze my Willy when they ask me. And I say, see the white album. <laughs> Paul McCartney opening up on Succotash. Paul, thanks thanks for so much for calling. No last names, please. <laughs> oh, sorry, right. Paul. Sir, Sir Paul. Thanks. All right. Thanks well, for... thank you. And good luck on po- This podcast is much better than After Hours with Mark Pizza. <laughs> Hi, this is Dana Carvey. You're listening to Succotash, the comedy podcast podcast. The term comedy podcast is a pretty big circus tent. It includes comics talking to other comics, comedians talking to themselves, non-comedians talking to comedians, improvisational shows, sketch shows, non-comedians trying to be comedians, and even comedian hosts interviewing non-comedian guests. Mark Marin does it all the time on WTF. We just heard Paul Mercurio with Paul McCartney, and now on his podcast called After Hours, friend of Succotash Mark Pitta just dropped a fascinating interview with legendary baseball manager Tony La Russa. Here's a taste. You just mentioned something about 20 teams wanted you, and that just it clicked on me. How close are those movies about scouts, like, you know, uh, Trouble with the Curve or The Scout, or are they close at all to how it really works? Like they come, Or even Moneyball. They come to your house, and they pitch you, and they tell you. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. You got started in a direction that I was going to enjoy, and then you mentioned Moneyball, which well, I'm just saying Moneyball about a movie about baseball. Yeah. No, but, but I'm talking about the Scott uh, Hatterberg scene when right. they go to his house to right. pitch him. I mean, just that meaning: do pe- do people go to their house? If you're a scout and you're you're scouting uh, amateur talent, high school, college, mm-hmm. yeah, you you establish a personal relationship. It used to be critical because they didn't have a draft. When I signed, there was no draft. Right. So 20 teams made offers. So the impression you made could very well swing the decision your way. Now, you, you do have personal contact, but more than anything else, I sh- well, the scout is trying to get a feel for your character. Mm-hmm. You know, the biggest issue quite often is if you're a high school guy, signability. Do you want to sign now or do you do you want to go to college? Most guys that are well regarded have a college scholarship. So the scout is trying to reason if does he really want to go to college? If he really wants to, then if you want to sign him, it's gonna take more money. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't if he really wants to play ball, then he's more attractive draft. They don't want to waste a draft. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the portrayals of the scouts, I mean, they see a bunch of games and they sit there and I mean they love the game and mm-hmm. And they have their own fraternity, so they'll compare notes, but they don't want to tip off who they're really watching. You know, it's, it's really yeah. fascinating. But they, uh, you know, they have a real eye. And this is uh, part of this money ball um, issue. Those veteran scouts have a real eye for, it's called playability. Mm-hmm. You know, there's talent. Hey, how fast does he run? How hard does he throw? Yeah. But... Baseball is not just do you have a certain physical talent, but can you play the game? Mm-hmm. Do you have a feel for And some of it you can learn with experience, but other ones, you know, some, you just say, that guy's just got no clue. He just, like, runs rampant, you know? Yeah. 
Well, scouts, you know, they're judging that. You know, they're watching closely all these little nuances. It's really a fascinating process. Yeah. The guys that are good yeah. are very valuable. And they're also what? They're projecting. This is what Mark looks like today. If you give him another three or four years of strength and experience, mm-hmm. look at his body type, he'll get... I mean, it's really a, it's, it's an art and a science together. What Moneyball does, it strips all those observations, and they just crunch out some stats, they put it in some kind of model, and say, hey, this is who this guy is. Yeah, right. It's, it's, you know, and, so, and so that was realistic in that all those scouts that have been around a long time are insulted by this new sure. wave, Bill Lee kind of. Yeah. But uh, it also was uh, um, destructive because... Enough organizations bought into that uh-huh. numbers, that so, so they fired good people. Mm-hmm. And now there's a move back to, you know, there's a nice place for the metrics, the mm-hmm. money balls kind of analysis. Mm-hmm. But you got to put that with just the power of observation. If you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, Mark hosts Mark Pitta and Friends every Tuesday night at the 142 Throckmorton Theater in downtown Mill Valley. Been doing it for nine years, and it is always a dynamite show. You can find more of his after-hours podcastery at markpitta.com, iTunes, and Stitcher Smart Radio. Now, I just got done talking about the wide-ranging category of comedy podcasts, and you know what? I forgot to mention trolls interviewing sketch comedians. There's only one I know about, and that's the Hobcast with Hob the Troll, also known as Steve O'Dockerson. The toast of Ren Fairs across the country, and the star of Hob Sings, a CD with his legendary music, including songs such as I Hate Goats, he recently brought his unique speaking voice to the podcast universe. In this clip, he's chatting with King John, also known as Mark Gagliardi, from the Thrilling Adventure Hour podcast. So, uh, so, so brother, uh, uh, thank you for coming in. Um, this is a, this is a very... How are you enjoying your, your time here at the, the Michigan Renaissance Festival? You're welcome. And uh, I'm, enjoying, I'm enjoying it just fine. It's a wonderful place. It's a very magical... Yeah, it's fine. It's fine? Yes. Well, we're, now, now uh, this is kind of an exclusive because uh, I do hear that the uh, you're part of a show called The Bastard Monks. Yes, we are The Bastard Monks. It's myself and uh, Brother Paniculus who couldn't make it today. Oh, no, why, where is he? <clears throat> I'm pretty sure that he is praying right now. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's all he really does. All he does. Well, he prays and, and then other stuff that I shouldn't. Am I am I allowed to say? I right, what's this show rated? Um, it's fine. Uh, so uh, but, but so so you do you you are in the bathroom. Jacking months? off. Okay. He does good. that. He's he prays and and, and he wanks. Those, those pretty much takes up his entire day. That's uh, that's good. The harder he wanks, the harder he prays. Oh, that's his life. So it's kind of an incentive. It's 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 the circle of life, just like in the Lion King. Oh, just like it. Just like in the Lion King. Just like that. So it's really Hamlet, and then Akita the White Lion, which I hear he both has has, has done that too. Ironically, he 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 prays uh-huh. for his friends and his loved ones. He prays well, nice. for the rabbits and the flowers and that the sun keeps shining. Uh-huh. And then when he wanks, he wanks to the exact same things. It's, it's, oh. it's amazing. Well, that's kind of pleasant. That's, that's yes. kind of an, uh, an offering. Personal. Don't, don't worry. Say. He'll never hear this. He doesn't believe in iTunes. No? No. Is he still using Winamp? <laughs> Is he I'm... still... He seems like the kind of guy who, if, if he knew... Like, that he walks on a lot of uh, Winamp skins and tries to make them all fancy. I don't even know what that means. That's okay. Um, 
But uh, uh, you are the the bastard monks are the greatest uh, stage actor of all time. Apparently, I hey, this was voted uh, on a, uh, a site called World of Rennies. World of Rennies. Yes, that which sounds is, I, I, prestigious. It's very prestigious. It's very legitimate. Very good. Uh, it was it was invented, I believe, when the internet was invented. Uh huh. And uh, there was a uh, there was a a contest. Right. <clears throat> and uh, I believe the parameters of the contest were, uh, what is your, f- uh, what is the all time best stage act in Renaissance festival yes. history. Ever right. Well, as far as I understand, and I, I didn't do a lot of research on this, but as far as I understand, uh, everybody in the world voted. <laughs> Every living human being. Every living human being. Oh, Central Africans. They. I they... thought I remembered something about that, but I thought I was voting for. Um, I thought I was gonna win Katy Perry tickets. <laughs> um, but you see, I remember that it was. You see, a lot now. A lot of people thought it was a joke. They thought that it was just Christoph the Insulto being mischievous. Well, the reason why they think that, uh-huh. uh, these misinformed people, is because uh, the contest was best stage act of all time. Right. And, and the, the number one winner was The Bastard Monks. That's, that's the show that I, myself, and Brother Paniculus star in. Um, we had yet to actually perform the show. Oh! And we'd never performed it anywhere ever. In fact, I don't believe it was even written. I think it might have been written. It may have been written. Again, I didn't do a lot of research on this. Um, because a lot of people thought it was a joke that Christoph the Insulter was playing. Well, if it was a joke, here's the punchline. The Tortuga Twins, who have uh, celebrated, just recently celebrated, what was it? 15? Tw- 20. 20 semi-glorious years uh, performing at the Renaissance Festivals across the country. Uh-huh. And, and 20, again, is, is, is if their career were a young lady, then Ron Bauman could legally be with her. That's how long they've been on their own. <laughs> but he wouldn't because she's wouldn't too cause, old. Because she's too old, yes. You <laughs> <laughs> can't hear this, um, it's fine. See what else is in store for you at hobthetroll.com, iTunes, and Stitcher Smart Radio. And now, this important message. Hello, friends. It's that time again. But then again, isn't it always that time? That time when you need a favor from a friend or acquaintance who is just a little bit better placed than you on the food chain. Well, nothing says, lend me a hand, better than a pair of Henderson's Pear Sucker Pants. That's right. I said Pear Sucker. Because although these high-quality trousers are made of 100% seersucker for a durable, comfortable wear, it's the little extras that your friends in high places are going to notice, setting you apart from the rest of the toadies right away. They'll see the built-in knee pads and scuff-proof finish right away. Upon closer inspection, they're bound to notice the breakaway codpiece and retractable cheek flaps. Finally, the Peersucker recessed hip-mounted ashtray and beverage caddy will put you over the top when it comes to being their A number one choice when it's time to be voted most likely to earn their favor the hard way. Originally designed for the boys in the mailroom, the males in the boys' room, and the boars in the boardroom, Henderson's Peer Sucker Pants are available wherever people are working hard to claw their way to the middle. That's Henderson's turning out pants like they're going out of style, which they usually are, since 1904, and now back to Succotash. It's Tweet Sack time. Let's dip into the old Tweet Sack and see what we get on our hands. 
Which reminds me, Christine Blackburn from the Storyworthy podcast tweeted this week, Every time I read Tweet Sack, I think Twitter balls. Hey, it's Christine Blackburn with the Storyworthy podcast saying, You're listening to Suckatash with Mark Hershon. Mm, Mark Hershon. Thanks, Christine. Casey is bored, man, tweets, How can I find Henderson's pants online? As I replied to him, Henderson's Pants is pretty old school. They just got touchtone phones last year, but there are plans underway for a Henderson's Pants website to launch soon. So, Casey, uh, keep your eyes open and uh, look for that site uh, on, on your Internet. Podcaster 101 tweets, Podcasting 101 by Monkey Poo Studios gets a shit ton of great podcasting producing methods from Succotash which is true. I'm chatting with host Jason on a recent episode, so go give that a listen if you're thinking about getting your ears wet in the wide, wonderful world of podcasting. Proudly Resents tweets, Thanks for including a clip of my show on your latest epi. Sorry about the audio. That's from Adam Spiegelman, and we did feature a segment of his show where he was talking to little kids about kids' movies. The audio is a little echoey, but it can't be easy to get kids to stay in front of a microphone for very long, so you, Adam, are forgiven. Lily Holloman tweets, shouting out to your shouting out to my shouting out. Thanks. Glad to keep the ball rolling for the big dogs, Dean and Phil. Uh, you may remember Lily was filling in for Phil Lairness on the Chill Pack Hollywood Hour last week. So now we've apparently got a double repeating mention thing going. Great. John Cullum tweets, this comedy podcast helps me compensate for my somber tendencies. John, John anything we can do to help to brighten someone's day. Appreciate the mention, chum. We've also got a curious query in our email at mark at com from the Three Guys Rant podcast. They ask, Mark, how are things going? Still doing your show? Hmm. I guess they don't listen very often. Or maybe it's because I was running a week or so late on the last episode because I was all laryngitis out and stuff. But I appreciate their concern. Yes, Three Guys, everything's good. How are you? Send us another clip sometime. Now, here's a rundown of some of the folks who took the time to tweet, retweet, favorite, follow, or mention Succotash Show on Twitter this past week. Salty Language, Seven Days a Geek, DDLove99, BB Super Abuser, Inverse Delirium, Air Raid Net, Tom Rhodes, Brian Yogi Dennis, Paul Provenza, I Am Comic Movie, Monica Hamburg, who is going to be my guest co-host next episode, by the way. Box of Beats, That Guy Travis, Gabe Diani, Ed Wallach, Dylan Brody, Stand Up Joe, Andy Kindler, Six String Lover, Tyson Saner, Hear Andy Talk, Surfing Aliens, NASB1311, Not Rob G, and Mike Sayers. Now, because Gerald Welchman from the Inverse Delirium Podcast was so nice to click the donate button on the SuckatashShow.com website last week, I'm going to spare you my usual sarcastic silence, where I would instead like to be thanking folks who kick in a few bucks to help us defray our production costs for the show. However, that should not keep you from getting up to SuckatashShow.com and clicking on our donate button if you so choose. That is all the tweet sack has going on in it for this week. If you'd like to email us, our address is marc at com. You can also stick at show in your tweets, and we'll retweet your podcast info when we see it, or repeat your comments in the tweet sack. And don't forget our toll-full Succotash hotline at area code 818-921-7212. 
Hi, everybody. It's Mark Pitta, and you are listening to Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast. I just like to say suck, even though it has a tash in there. Here at Suckatash, we've been big fans of Michael Ian Black, along with Tom Cavanaugh, with their Mike and Tom Eat Snacks podcast. But there hasn't been a fresh epi of mates since May. And now there's a whole new podcast with Michael Ian Black and Michael Showalter, both of whom were in the state and also Stella. Maybe mates is delayed? On hiatus? Gone away? I I don't know. Ostensibly, this new format is a way for two funny guys to address more serious issues. But, as you may be able to hear in this clip, their tongues seem to be lodged somewhat in their cheeks. The show is called Topics, and that's what the show should be called. But I was thinking an overall thing that I want to talk, that I call this collaboration between you and I, is the Thought Project. What do you think about that? I like that. That makes that makes a lot of sense to me because, you know, we are doing some pretty heavy lifting, some heavy brain lifting, um, but it's also a project. You know, it's 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 something it's something currently under construction. Yes, right, exactly. It's op- it's a work in progress. It's open ended. Um, either uh, I'm thinking either the thought project or the think project. Mm. I like both of those a lot. The Think Project has a very kind of modern spin to it, mm-hmm. which, you know, it, it, it calls to mind uh, the genius Steve Job, who mm. uh, created Apple Computer and uh, the iPad. The, he created the iPad. Steve Job is one of those guys who I think we'll look back on in 100 years and go, that guy was a genius. You know, it's Jobs, right? Oh yeah, well yeah, that that was that was his claim to fame was that he was able to wear so many hats and he created no, Apple. No, no, I'm, no, no, I'm saying you're calling him Steve Job, Job but it's actually Steve Jobs. Mm-hmm. J O B S. Right. Well, yeah. you know, we can agree to disagree about that. I don't I don't think it's important, you know, what what we call him so much as we understand that he really was a genius. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. When he I, I I agree. When he started that company in the garage of his house in New Jersey with his childhood friend, Bill Gates, I don't think anybody could have foreseen that the uh, computer would become as, um, uh, uh, as, as, as pervasive. Oh, great word. As pervasive as any other appliance in the home. Yes. The toaster, the television set, the uh, The toaster. Yeah, the refrigerator, right? The, or, or, the, or uh, you know, like the TV or something like that. Yeah, where yeah. it's just you know, you you, you walk into a home well, and you, you have, can't you can't imagine your life without it. That's I right. think that's it's it's you 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 actually say what was life like before we okay. had an i the iPad? Right, you that's know? a great point. You know, like do you? I don't know if you're old enough to remember this, but when I was a kid, if I wanted information about something, say I was looking up. Uh, the, uh, one of our first presidents, George Washington, and I needed information about him, I would have to literally go to an encyclopedia. Right, right. Or go to the library. Yeah. You know, it, was, it wasn't like I could just turn on my computer and go boop dee boop 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 uh, you know, input George Washington send, you know, like I do now. I would have to, I would have to physically open a book uh, yeah, uh, Funk and Wagnall's uh, Encyclopedia. 
Um, I want to go back to, to something that you just said though, which is, um, when you said you didn't know if I was old enough to remember something, right? but we're the same age. I'm actually a little older than you. Mm -hmm. All right. So I guess you would be then. I do. Yeah. Just, I'm just, I'm just speaking mathematically now. If we're the same age or if you are a little bit older than me and I remember something, then almost by definition, you would also remember that thing. Uh, well, if I, if I remembered it, aha, uh-huh. you know, so I mean, Oh, that calls um, to mind some larger questions about the nature of memory. Like, do like, you, do you remember it? What going, getting, going to the encyclopedia? Yes, I do. Okay. So, I, so that resolves that question about yeah. the nature of memory. All right. Well, don't be angry at me. It's not, we're not arguing. Oh, no, no, I'm not. Believe me, if, if you're hearing anything in my voice, it's passion about uh-huh. the, about the nature of memory. Now, are they on the level, or is this a new dimension in comedy podcasting? You figure it out at TopicsPodcast.com, iTunes, and Stitcher Smart Radio. I guess if there's a theme to Epi 62 of Succotash, it's looking at comedy podcasts that are a little left of center in terms of whether they're really comedy, serious, or something altogether different. I discovered Troy Saples' See You Next Tuesday podcast just by surfing through iTunes new and noteworthy this past week. But it turns out this isn't a new podcast. It's a show that's been on hiatus for the past 18 months, ever since the host had to do some jail time for a DUI. He's been out on probation, clean and sober, but with frequent and random drug testing and a whole bunch of other restrictions, he hasn't really been feeling the podcast magic until recently when the itch began to return. And really, if you're a podcaster and you're basically under house arrest at your parents' house, eventually you've got to get back into it or probably go nuts. Now, the last time he hit the pod waves was in 2011, and I gather he was interviewing comedians and musicians. Maybe he'll go there again, but for now, it's just a man and a microphone. So I get out of jail. I lost my apartment. I lost my license. I have no money. I quit my job before that preemptively as to not get fired to save my resume you know my my career in nothing thus far halfway through my life i guess i don't know predicting the future here prophet of doom but so i have no money i moved back in with my mother and father and here i am 18 months later still there still have no money because once when the when the man takes you down, they let you sit there with their with their boot on your throat. They take I owe them five thousand dollars in fines just to tighten that grip a little more. And then you're on probation for three years. Not you, but me. In case you fuck up, they got you still. Might owe them some more money, might owe might owe them some more of your time of your life so you can't work you might have to quit your job if you have to go to jail Woo. so how how would the what i did was instead of going to state prison for a year i took a quote-unquote deal called recovery court which is you go to jail for 90 days then you're on a, a program for two years you're in intense supervision and it moves in four six-month phases. And the first phase, you're drug tested twice a week 
you see your probation officer once a week and you go before the judge to check in with her every other week. That's the first phase. And mind you, I don't have a license and I live a half hour away from where the courthouse is and where all this takes place. So it's, and I was on house arrest for nine months, the starting uh, the day I got out of jail. So super intense and super, and, and you have to get a job all around that. And the drug testing, the twice a week, how that works is you have to call a hotline the night before, okay? And if you're, you, you're assigned a color and a number, and if your number or color and, or both gets called, uh, then you have from 8 o'clock to 4 p.m. the next day to go in and submit your urine and pee in front of a guy. And, and twice a week, randomly. You don't know until 9 o'clock the night before. And you're supposed to maintain a job on top of it. So they like to make your life easy is what I'm saying. Okay. Uh, so I made it through the first phase, made it through the second phase, made it through to the f- third phase, and uh, that's where I am now. I'll be moving to the fourth phase in August, and then I'll get off next February, but I'll still be on probation for nine months after that. But that should be a cakewalk by that time. And then in the third phase, my girlfriend uh, lost someone very close to her, and I was trying to spend a lot of time at her at her family's house, trying to be there for her, and just terrible time and I I missed a drug test so what they do is you have to go to court and uh, went to court explain the extenuating circumstances and the judge commends me on uh, you know doing so well in the program I'm exemplify what the program represents and how someone in the program is supposed to act I'm so sorry for your girlfriend's loss. It's nice of you that you've you've progressed enough that you can be there for someone else. But you got to go to jail for twenty four hours. There's no that is that is the rule. There's no exceptions. To check in with Troy, you can try see you next Tuesday. But that site doesn't look like it's been updated since two thousand eleven. So go up to iTunes just to be sure. Mike Ward is a Montreal-based comedian, and I gather he performs in both English and French, or Québécois. He's been named one of the top 25 comedians of all time by the Just for Last Festival, and his podcast is called Mike Ward is Full of Shit, except on iTunes and SoundCloud, where he's had to sanitize the title to Mike Ward is Full of Crap. In this clip, he's talking about how he went to Los Angeles recently to find a writer to help with a new show, and he happened upon the legendary Paul Mooney. I'm at an open mic night, and Paul Mooney is there. And Paul Mooney was going on, uh, like, I was closing, I was second to last on the show. Like, I was on real late. And he was, like, on maybe two or three acts before I was. So I was hoping, okay, he's going to go on, and he might stay to grab a drink, or I don't, I don't even know if he drinks, but I was hoping that he'd stay to catch my act. But... I wasn't sure if he would, so I, I was like, okay, I'll go talk to him before he goes on. So I go to talk to him, but you can't talk to someone about business right before they're going on stage to work on some new material. So I just go up to him and real, you know, super short and sweet, and I go, hey, uh, Mr. Mooney, I'm a big fan. 
congratulations for congratulations for all the work that you've done. I'm looking forward to see your material. And yeah, uh, he was really nice. Uh, super. He seemed uh, touched, or I don't know, touched. But anyway, he he was nice. So he goes on stage. He does some material that's pretty pretty good and pretty edgy. Like it was really edgy for especially. I don't know how old he is, but he's like in his sixties, and it was like fucking raw and kind of dirty, and uh, it was good. So he he uh, gets off stage. I tell him, hey, that was really good. But uh, we don't talk. All I say is that was really good. And he leaves. He gets up and sort of leaves the comedy store. So I'm like, fuck, man. This is, uh, it's now or never. I have to go ask him if he'd like to work with me. And I was nervous because he's, uh, whenever you'd see him like on uh, either the uh, Chappelle show or even when you'd see him, his stand-up or his interviews, he doesn't seem to like white people that much. And he makes you as a white man feel guilty for what our ancestors did. And they're not even my ancestors. I'm Canadian. So my fucking, my ancestors didn't have slaves. But you, you feel guilty. Like he makes you feel guilty for being white. So I was like, fuck, I felt bad. I was like, if he thinks all white people are dicks. But I'm going to work with them and show them that, you know, there are some good white people. So I follow him out uh, of the comedy store. And he's he gets into a, a car, well, actually a minivan. <laughs> fucking show business it's real glamorous but uh, he's in a minivan and he's backing out and I see him and I'm like Mr. Mooney Mr. Mooney and I'm running towards the car Mr. Mooney and he stops puts his window down and I go to talk to him but as I'm leaning in to talk to him out of the corner of my eye I see a Rowdy Roddy Piper Rowdy Roddy Piper was a wrestler from the 80s he used to host a talk show on the WWF uh, called, uh, uh, I think it was Roddy's Corner, or anyway. But he, I see Rowdy Roddy Piper, so I have a man here who, uh, in front of me, Mr. Paul Mooney, who helped uh, create the greatest, the, the best stand-up comedy the world has ever seen. He's in front of me, he's waiting for me to say something to him, but I see out of the corner of my eye I see Rowdy Rowdy Piper and I just fucking I, I totally forgot about Mr. Paul Mooney I just saw Rowdy Rowdy Piper and I was like you're Rowdy Rowdy Piper that's fucking amazing that's amazing and I'm just fucking gushing like a little girl and I'm I'm fucking I'm, I don't think a little girl would care about Rowdy Rowdy Piper but I'm fucking I'm super excited and then out of the corner of my other eye I just see Paul Mooney leave and leave in a way that he was like those fucking white people i hate white people you can find mike ward is full of crap at mikeward.ca and on itunes soundcloud and stitcher smart radio the more you nerd is another show i discovered on itunes new and noteworthy this past week of course they've had over 80 episodes so i'm beginning to think new and noteworthy is a lot like the term overnight success these guys nerd out all over the place about all kinds of things. This clip is from the episode entitled Obscure Reference Number 6, America, Aliens, and Ghosts. And here Miles, Patrick, Mike, and Drew duke it out, metaphorically speaking, on the best and worst ghosts. And your guys' experience in fiction and nonfiction, who's the worst ghost? Who's the, who's the scariest ghost? Scariest or scariest? worst ghost? Both. Uh, st- scariest ghost, um, that throw up girl from the Sixth Sense. Oh yeah, she's scary. Isha me. Barton. 
Well, she's not actually Misha Barton. She's playing a character, Miles. Yeah, I know. I I just see Misha Barton now. Well, I, I know. Uh, that, I know. That was, actually, that was a pretty good one. Um, it's it's been like years since I've I've seen that movie. I think the, to know the that scariest it was Misha one Barton. for me was when when you thought it was the mom and she turned around and she was all cut up and screaming and stuff. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, I think even though I hate the movie, um, the two twin girls in The Shining. Oh yeah, they were they were pretty awesome. creepy. Mm. Please, that they don't hold a candle to the scary bathtub lady. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, that's the yeah, worst. She didn't bother me. Kids creep me out. Okay, so so let's switch from scariest ghost because I am frightened right now. Uh, All right, to trickster ghost to worst ghost, worst representation of a ghost. We'll leave ghost cat out of this. Dang it. Because, because Ghost Cat is solid. <laughs> He's solid. Um, and uh, so, like, how do you guys feel about Slimer from the Ghostbusters? Oh, he's, he's a great ghost. ghost. Yeah, he's entertaining. Wonderful. His ecto-cooler is delicious. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so we need to make a distinction between Slimer from the movies and Slimer from the cartoon. We don't talk about Slimer from the cartoon. I'm Why only not? talking about Slimer from the cartoon. Slimer from the cartoon is the only reason that anybody knows who Slimer is. No way, dude. When he's eating all those hot dogs. Okay. Okay. <laughs> no way. Okay. <laughs> when he's eating all them. I, I give you that. When he's eating all those hot dogs. I mean, like, I, that's a little spud, aren't you? It's pretty hilarious. And and he's in and and in the hotel scene, dude. The, the reason people know him is the hotel scene in the first Ghostbusters. It came, we saw the kicked its ass. Okay, okay, okay. So worst ghost, Flabber from uh, Big Bad Beetleborgs. We can put him on the list as the worst ghost. Okay, okay. I'm actually quite frightened of him to begin. Can with. we put Bruce Willis on that list? Yes, we can also yeah. put Bruce Willis he makes on that a terrible list. Terrible ghost. Who is a better ghost, Flabber or Bruce Willis? Uh. Bruce Willis, because he doesn't know it. He doesn't uh, flaunt it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Flabber kind of flaunts uh, it. Maybe best ghost, Ghost Dad? Ghost yes. Dad? Ghost Dad is great. No, that was a terrible, terrible impression. Good <laughs> <laughs> lord. Herb, herb, herb. I was going to try to, try to pull like out a... Were, yeah, it sounds like you were about to make some bad blues music. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, sounds, it sounds like I was about to start a, a cartoon dune buggy. You sound like Bill Cosby if he was having a stroke. <laughs> <laughs> Put a wallet in my mouth. Yeah, that sounded more like uh, a different comic. How about how about uh, I- I'm looking at a list here of best and worst ghosts. I got uh, I got a bad one. Uh, Gina Davis ghost. Oh, Gina Davis yeah. ghost is pretty bad. Beetlejuice. What? About, but how do you feel about Alec Baldwin ghost? Well, obviously Great. he's I'm the best it. ghost. <laughs> Gosh, you even have to ask. Get your nerd on over at themoreyounerd.com, iTunes, and Stitcher. It's time for Episode 2 of Boganwood, a very Australian pod miniseries following the adventures of a bunch of folks in a mythical suburb of the country's capital. I had a chat with Jabs, the author and cast of Boganwood, on Skype recently, which I will use as best I can to intro these episodes over the next several weeks while we unspool Season 1 for you. To start off, we we talked about how the idea got started and where the characters came from. So uh, I'm speaking with Jabs, a.k.a. Jason McNamara, in Canberra, Australia. The uh, brain's not just behind the D-Head Factor. 
<laughs> but also uh, a little web uh, mini series, or I guess pod mini series would be more likely, uh, called Boganwood, which we started featuring episodes from last episode on Succotash, and uh, we're going to play all eight over the next uh, remaining seven weeks and uh, give people a taste of this really interesting, um, I'm going to say format, not that you've created, <laughs> but you've really leveraged in a uh, in an interesting and, and humorous fashion. Oh, good. Thank you very much. It's, um, it's, yeah, I am the, I'm meant to be the brains behind the D8 factor, but anyone that's actually heard the show know there's not too much thought put into the actual show. <laughs> although, although we're trying to get a bit more creative now, which is good as well. Uh, I, th- I think Bogan Woods, where my actual, uh, creative outlet actually happens, which is good. Uh, and by creative, I mean stealing real life stories and manipulating them into a story that flows. Well, good. So, you know. Let's, uh, let's actually get into that. And how you came up with the concept. Let's just talk about yeah. a little bit about uh, what Boganwood is. It's it's. Uh, I'm going to describe it first, then you can kind of correct me. It's a creative narrative, and you really act as the narrator, but you also voice all the characters. And in saying that, you're not really doing voices, no. but you're telling a story. It's not even in a chronological order because you'll go backwards and forwards <laughs> Back in and time, forwards, yeah. which is interesting. <laughs> Is that and they, they think somehow it is, it is, it is. Uh, I can't do access, and Royal and Doodle will attest to that when they ask me to do that um, <laughs> little bit for them. You know, remember the Christmas bit? Oh, the Christmas uh, panto. Yeah, yes. they they asked me to do a female voice, and it just it doesn't happen. Um, but I, I always wanted to tell a story that kind of flowed and continued and stuff like that. And I thought my limits were that I can't uh, do accents. How do I get around that? And I thought, well, don't do accents. Just put the like the bogan slant on it and let the story take over. And if it, it's the old story of uh, a good movie, is, is if the story is good enough, a lot of people won't notice the rest of the inconsistencies or mispronunciations that I do throughout the episodes. <laughs> so Boganwood is, in brief, the stories of uh, or the misadventures. Of some yeah. denizens of uh, what you call Canberra's Forgotten Suburb. There's there's actually little areas and little pockets of suburbs around uh, Canberra, which uh, I think Cat over at Ridge of Fist found a suburb called Charnwood in Canberra, mm. and he thought that might have been Boganwood, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's that that's not Boganwood. Uh, it's it basically, I think you said it on your last show. It's like the uh, white trash of Canberra, uh, and because because Canberra itself is the Washington D.C. of Australia, it's like where all the politicians and that are. Okay. I wanted to give this kind of um, underbelly of Canberra that no one really talks about. Everyone just talks about prostitutes and fireworks in Canberra. They don't talk about Boganwood, so. <laughs> But there are uh, areas like Boganwood. There isn't an actual Boganwood, I'm assuming. Yeah, there, there, there's not an actual Boganwood, but there is. There's d- different areas of um, every story in Boganwood is told with a clear vision in my head of where it is in Canberra. Um, so everything has uh, – I wanted Boganwood – the best way to tell a story is not to just completely make up something because you start forgetting your continuity and stuff like that. So I try to base it in realism, um, and I wanted to to be as, as silly as it is. I wanted it to have some sense of kind of realism, so that way, uh, when I'm talking about people at the traffic lights and stuff in some of the later episodes, I've got this uh, road called Northbourne Avenue in my head, 
Mm-hmm. And so when I'm writing the story, I'm envisioning them doing all this stuff on this road called Northbourne Avenue, which is a, a big main road that uh, runs right through the heart of Canberra City. Okay. And that, that, that's where the, the story and stuff is. So, no, there might, there's not necessarily a place called Boganwood. There's a little bit of Boganwood in every suburb. <laughs> and really, there's a little bit of Boganwood in each of us. Welcome to Boganwood, Australia, Canberra's forgotten suburb. In today's adventure, we check back in on Sheila as she makes her way to the Centrelink office. And we also have a look at Dingo and Bricko and the scheme behind how they got their first paying job in a matter of many, many months. Even in Boganwood, nothing is free. Sheila was pissed, and not in the way she wanted. You know, the drunken way. A thousand different thoughts came to mind as she strolled down the street passing her so-called neighbours. Who the fuck did they think they were? Opening their doll checks and already working their way down to the local pub to gamble it all away. Sheila had big plans for that money, and it didn't involve the poker machines. That's a dickhead's game. She had made a grocery list the week before, and damned if she wasn't going to get what she deserved. Her mind kept racing with the possibilities of her potential earnings being taken over with the thoughts of how this could happen to her. Sheila was now known to be one of the best doll bludgers in town, and her schemes had worked wonders. She had been on the doll since she had left school, and her mother wasn't able to claim child support anymore. She needed this income, and someone was going to have to pay for the mistake. As Sheila continued walking down the street to get away to the local Centrelink office, Dingo and Bricko were working hard to earn a quick buck in the job that almost didn't happen only days before. They both talked about how lucky they were and how the opportunity of a lifetime had presented itself after one of Dingo's mates had broken his leg during an incident at the local shopping centre. Dingo and Bricko's mate Jimbo had come up with a good get-rich scheme. Dingo and Bricko's mate Jimbo had come up with a get-rich scheme he had seen on an American TV program in which he would get injured whilst shopping and sue the shopping centre for leaving a spill on the ground. Whilst he worked through his plan, he'd run into Dingo and Bricko as they were looking for crates behind the shopping centre for the fire they built at home. Hey mate, you got a ciggy? Jimbo yelled across the parking lot. This was a normal greeting in Boganwood and could also be a profitable venture if you were good at it. Nah Jimbo, just make me last one, Dingo called out cautiously, placing his hand over his half full pack of cigarettes in his pocket. How the fuck are you? What are you two cunts up to? Jimbo asked as he made his way toward them. Now Bricko knew to keep his mouth shut. He was the thinking man, remember? And always liked to hear what other people had to say. So he nudged Dingo to also keep his mouth shut. Yeah, well, I've come up with the plan of the century. And I'm thinking of retiring from the window washing job, Jimbo continued. Dingo couldn't risk missing out on the opportunity like this, so he had to ask more. Oh yeah? What's this scheme? And how do we get that window washing gig? Dingo asked. Bricko was actually interested in where this conversation was going as he'd actually been trying to get a window washing gig for a couple of years now and wasn't able to afford the money to buy someone out. The gig involved only a matter of items, but it was all about the real estate. To become a window washer, all you needed was a window squeegee, a bucket of water, and of course dishwashing liquid. You stood on the main drag and you waited for cars to approach and wash their windows. Now, it might sound simple, but there was an art to the level of manipulation that was required to force a driver to pay you a couple of bucks, even and especially when he didn't want his windows washed. 
Bricko started thinking through the plan as Dingo continued his conversation with Jimbo, but being cautious that Dingo didn't fuck this up. Jimbo talked in great length about the location he was manning on Wednesdays, Thursdays and Fridays, talking about the hundreds of dollars he had made by doing the window washing gig. Now this is a simple, temporary exchange, so to speak, Jimbo stated and started to smile. Gears to Siggy, and we'll continue our talk. Dingo didn't hesitate this time and reached into his pocket, pulling out two cigarettes and handed them to Jimbo. Jimbo reached down into his pocket and placed the cigarettes into his now full packet and smiled at Dingo because he knew he had them hook, line and sinker. Now what I need yous to do is to go inside and create a spill for me to slip on. It's as simple as that. I'll be taken on the shops in court with my sprained arm or my sprained leg, depending on what happens, whilst I'm unable to work. You guys can cover my window washing spot. Nah, yeah... How, how are we going to do this with the cameras and stuff? Bricko jumped in before Dingo could commit to anything. Nah, mate, you'll be right. I didn't say it was going to be easy. You needed to make it look like an accident and stuff. I'll handle the rest. Simple. Where well, it sure as fuck sounded simple to both Dingo and Bricko. But in the back of Bricko's mind, he knew nothing was that simple. But he would be fucked if he wasn't going to give it one hell of a shot. Let us think about it for a sec, Bricko said as he grabbed Dingo and walked away to discuss how they could make this work. Now, Bricko, this is a hell of an idea, and imagine what we could do with 200 bucks a day. Tax-free? We're standing around doing nothing. Dingo, it appears too simple, and things never are that plain, especially when it comes to us. Well, think about it. All we have to do is go in there, pick a fight with each other, and knock something over. Simple as that. Yeah, yeah, I get that. But you and I aren't that lucky, mate. We never have been, and the simpler the idea, the more trouble it actually appears to be. Yeah, fuck oath, mate. I'm the first to admit we ain't lucky, but today we have an opportunity to change all that, and all we have to do is make sure this dickhead over there falls over. All right, mate. So we'll go in there, we'll knock over a drink or something, and we'll walk out, right? Yeah, mate. In and out in five seconds, and we can wear our sunnies in our hoodies, so no one knows who we are. There was something still niggling in the back of Bricko's mind, but what the fuck, it was going to be easy, wasn't it? Dingo and Bricko walked back to Jimbo and confirmed they were in on the deal, and shook on it to make sure the agreement was solid. Alright, you only get me street lights until I recover from my so-called injury, we got that? Yeah mate, it's a deal. So a couple of days a week we'll cover your street lights, until you're ready to go again, and we get to keep all the earnings. Mate... If it goes the way it's supposed to, I won't need money for a long, long time. Easy, wasn't it? Bricko, Dingo and Jimbo continued to discuss their plan as they walked toward the entrance of the supermarket, missing out on one key problem. So that's where we leave Bricko and Dingo today, about to take on a plan that will set in motion a great many issues that will cause problems for both them and Sheila over the next couple of days. But that's another story to be continued another day. Loganwood is a place of many adventures, and things have a tendency to work itself out. Both the good, the bad, and definitely the fucking Bogan. Come back to Boganwood to find the answers to the questions never asked. What will happen to Sheila and her doll check? How does this all relate to Dingo and Bricko's misadventures only days before? All will be answered in the next couple of episodes, and remember what they say in Boganwood? Can I grab a ciggy?
Now, if you just can't wait for us to peel off the remaining episodes from Season 1, feel free to get up to boganwood.tumblr.com, where you can read the complete episodes as well as download them. They're also on iTunes and available for streaming through Stitcher Smart Radio. Our ambassador to the middle, comedian Will Durst, gets a little bit mushy when it comes to observing the 4th of July. Hey guys, Will Durst here with a few choice words about the 4th of July, the great American holiday. Dead solid center summer. Picnics, baseball, lemonade, fifth graders flying past with red, white, and blue streamers flowing from their bicycle handlebars. Where's the bad? It's a party the whole country can get into. Nobody gets bogged down in politics watching a parade. Except for the grinning idiots waving while sitting on the back of the convertibles. This particular birthday celebration transcends partisanship. You don't have to be in a red state to barbecue red meat. Even here in San Francisco, we did the patriotic thing so big and bad. Wouldn't have been surprised to see Nathan Hale high-fiving the whole damn town. The hardest part was keeping the bean sprouts from slipping through the grates of the grill. And we had a lovely roasted sun-dried tomato basil reduction, which you may know as ketchup. We are so beyond blue here. We are post-blue. We are indigo, eggplant, aubergine, cerulean, periwinkle, and yes, we know the difference. We have fireworks in the fog. The whole damn sky turns colors, but you can't hear a thing, which is so weird. Because the 4th of July is also the loudest of our holidays. Let's drink a lot of beer and handle explosives. And thus, it's the day where many nicknames are christened, such as Lefty and Patch. Happy 237th birthday, America. I just want to say in the right light, you don't look a day over 195. Have a great summer, everybody. Stay cool and dry and vertical. Or hot and wet and horizontal. Whichever works. And you know that whole bipartisan celebration thing? Be nice to keep that going the whole summer, wouldn't it? Yeah, right. Nice fantasy, Tolkien. Don't forget the sunblock. For Suckatash, the podcast of comedy podcasts, I'm Will Durst. Check out more of Durst's stuff at willdurst.com. You can also read his frequent tweets at Will Durst on Twitter. Man, I am stuffed. That was a very full episode, and I hope you enjoyed it. If you're a comedy podcaster and we have not hit your show yet, feel free to submit a three- to five-minute MP3 clip to clips at succotashshow.com. And if you're just liking what we're serving, please be sure to pass the succotash. You've been listening to Succotash, the comedy podcast podcast with your host, Mark Hershon, brought to you by Henderson's Pants. And imagine your company's name right here. Find us on the web at SuccotashShow.com, on iTunes, or on Stitcher Smart Radio. You can also like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Suckatash Show, email us at marc at SuccotashShow.com, or call into the Suckatash hotline at our toll call number, 818-921-7212. That number again is 818-921-7212. Suckatash is produced and engineered by Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, the home of the hit. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durges. Until next time, I'm your loyal booth announcer Bill Haywatt reminding you to please pass the succotash goodbye alright guys I'm Jacob and I'm here with another episode of Day for Telly's Real Men Can Cook 
and today I'm cooking smoking Santa Fe Succotash. My recipe today calls for a 14 and a half ounce can of Dave Fratelli Petite Diced Tomatoes, two strips of bacon which I've already pre-cooked and chopped up so we're ready to go, two shallots thinly diced which I actually used an onion because it's fresh out of my garden and I wanted to use something fresh, two cloves of garlic, jalapenos, some cumin seeds, some red, red, prep, red pepper flakes, corn, chopped up zucchini, which I've already done, prepped, we're ready to go, lima beans, some cilantro, some cream for right at the end, and some, some chipotle chili peppers and adobo sauce. So, let's get going. Like I said, I've already pre-cooked our bacon, chopped it up, set it off to the side, so we're ready to go. So we're going to skip that step and go to the next. We're going to add in our onions, our garlic, and our jalapenos and cook that up. So now we're going to add in our cumin and our red pepper flakes. So we're going to take our cumin, that in there, red pepper. We're going to add in our tomatoes, our corn, our lima beans, and our zucchini. We're going to cook that all in. So tomatoes, corn, Succotash. 